Welcome to EPRI Unplug, the podcast of the Electric Power Research Institute. I'm Renita Crawford. Well, it is one of the most important issues of our time, cybersecurity. Today, we'll look at how threats to power generation, distribution, and utilization, what people commonly call the grid, have real-world implications, and what research EPRI is conducting to protect the utility industry. Today, my guests are Michael Thal, Justin Tebow, and Galen Rasha, all EPRI cybersecurity experts in their areas of research. Galen is based in Palo Alto and is joining us by phone. Welcome, everyone, and thanks for your time. Thank you. Well, let's dive right in. Cybersecurity threats affect all of us. Last summer, computer systems in Ukraine were struck in an international cyber attack that crippled tens of thousands of machines worldwide. ATMs stopped working. Workers were forced to manually monitor radiation at the old Chernobyl nuclear plant when their computers failed. We have also seen many cyber attacks in the U.S., So each of you, looking at your areas of research, what specific threats are utilities facing and what's the most effective way for them to build a strong defense? Michael, let's start with you and then we'll go to everyone else for a brief response and then we'll get more into the weeds. Well, thanks for having me. Um, I think it's a good question. I think it's important. You know, I've been focused on the nuclear industry for a while. We've been doing cybersecurity uh, for almost a decade. And one of the things that they've really em, uh, embraced is trying to make sure that everything's a process. And so I think it's important that when we look at the threat, that we try to make sure that we have a, a process that we can uh, improve upon, that we can follow to make sure that we're addressing the threats consistently and improve upon them over time. I think that's our best effort and our best way of uh, making sure that we're successful as an industry. Okay. And Justin, your thoughts? Well, I think that uh, the process, I know on the non-nuclear side, varies uh, among different utilities depending on the, the type of generation you have on top of the, uh, the, the size of the, the, the generation that you have. So uh, it's, it's been a challenge in figuring out how to meet all of the, uh, the changing business climate uh, that, that uh, power generators are finding themselves in, and then also to, to be secure. Okay, thank you for that response. And Galen, how would you, how is your research helping utilities build a stronger defense? Well, we've seen a lot of changes in the power delivery sector over the last uh, 15 years or so as it's become I think, a lot more increasingly dependent on information technology and, and telecommunication infrastructure to you know, ensure the overall reliability of the grid. So I think we need to look at how we can develop cybersecurity measures that can be designed and implemented to protect the grid from you know, attacks by terrorists and hackers, um, but also to strengthen overall grid resilience against um, inadvertent threats such as equipment failures and user errors, for example. Uh, something that's unique about power delivery systems is that they operate a lot of devices in the field across very large geographic regions. You know, so that includes substations and pole-top devices. So since the tax surface is, is much larger for these systems, utilities also need to think about how they can complement traditional defensive depth techniques, I think, with uh, a defense and breadth strategy. The need to acknowledge that each of these endpoints that are out there in the field could also be an attack vector. Well, there's a lot to consider. Uh, Michael, going back to you, I know you have multiple lines of research in cybersecurity. Tell me about the research looking at cybersecurity vulnerabilities in power plant equipment and the results. Well, for again, from a nuclear perspective, the industry the, in the U.S. has really been focused on implementing the cybersecurity program steadily for the past eight to ten years. 
And a lot of work has been done during that time frame to segment their architecture, to document and protect their assets, and, and really develop strong programs to control their portable media and, and, and mobile devices. Um, this past year, they've completed uh, their initial cybersecurity program from a regulatory perspective. You know, but unfortunately, the implementation burden and cost to implement that cyber program was very high. And so now we're entering the next phase of the cybersecurity program's maturity. And EPRI cybersecurity research has been focused on finding efficient processes and methods that will reduce that implementation burden and the ongoing program monitoring cost while also improving the technical basis of the overall program. Uh, in other words, we're focused on what our members really should do, not just what they can do. For example, uh, EPRI developed a technical assessment methodology that can be used by engineers and cybersecurity specialists uh, to assess digital components and systems in a very cost-effective and sustainable manner. Uh, utilities and vendors, they can apply this methodology at any point in the asset's life cycle. You know, anyway, all the way from the, the inception through the rest of the asset supply chain, including the design, implementation, and, and operational phases. You know, and although there could be hundreds or thousands of potential vulnerabilities for an asset, you know, our research has shown that how those vulnerabilities are exploiting the device is very finite. So by looking at the exploit mechanisms and attack pathways, uh, we can analyze these exploit sequences, apply those mitigations, and bound that vulnerability analysis for an asset. So any exploit sequences that don't have mitigations, we call them residual vulnerabilities. This approach effectively mitigates the unbounded universe of vulnerabilities and significantly reduces the overall sensitivity of the changing threat landscape. The methodology, you know, documents all this information in a way that can be performed by the person who's really most familiar with the device. And that could be the vendor, the integrator, or, or, or even the member. The, the primary documentation for the methodology is placed on what we call either a cybersecurity data sheet or a site-specific allocation sheet. So what's been the feedback from the vendors and the utilities who have applied this methodology? Well, we came out with Rev Zero and the reports out there, it was, came out in October of 2016. And since then, we've conducted about four different workshops. And, uh, you know, we've probably had somewhere in the neighborhood of 30 to 40 different companies come to these workshops and, and well over 100 participants. And the feedback's been very positive. And, you know, this year we're working on a revision that integrates in the risk-informed uh, cyber methodology that we'll, uh, hopefully we'll get a chance to speak about a little later. Well, that's excellent. So you, you also produced a cybersecurity data sheet. How will this support utilities and vendors, and what can we expect next? The concept of providing a standard set of documentation for known hazards and mitigations, it's not new. The chemical manufacturers have been providing material safety data sheets or MSDSs. I think now they're called just safety data sheets. They've been providing those for years. Um, that's why we call a subset of our documentation a cybersecurity data sheet or a CSDS. Um, the research found that in order to provide the most flexibility and value to our members, the data really needed to be split up into two different uh, sets of documents. The first set, the CSDS, contains all the technical features, the capabilities, and really the data flow that properly characterizes the attack surface of the device, tells you about the, the exploit sequences, what they are, and if there's any residual vulnerabilities. And, but it doesn't talk about where it's physically located. The site-specific information for the device is documented separately, and that's called the SSAS. And by splitting it out, it provides a few benefits to the members. 
the, the first one that's most noticeable is that by having a document that describes the technical features, the capabilities separate from where it's located, it really becomes a document that can be developed once and it can re be reused a lot of times across your organization. You know, utilities often utilize the same type of device across multiple systems. You know, the, the Rosemont uh, pressure transmitter 3051 comes to mind. Um, you know, the, a utility at a single site might have hundreds of these devices. Um, and having a single document that can utilize as a reference source, it really improves the analysis and reduces the amount of documentation overhead uh, on the utility. A second benefit is that any really residual vulnerabilities that remain, they can be rolled up at the site level. So any administrative or operational control methods that you have, well, they can then be analyzed and applied as appropriate across multiple components at once. There's also benefits to members that we should talk about that, uh, in, that's described in the methodology. Vendors who are the technical experts of the device, I mean, they really are the best person for the job to tell you exactly what an asset's attack surface is. Uh, what exploit sequences and in mitigations the device provides, and most importantly, any residual vulnerabilities that need to be addressed. Uh, because the methodology is regulatory agnostic, you know, this can be applied to NERC SIP, you know, from a generation power generation perspective. It can be applied to, uh, we've been actively talking with the IEA from an international perspective. You know, one set of documentation can be created and it can be used for anyone globally or cross sector, and it can help them become more efficient as well as supporting all of their customers. It allows vendors and customers to communicate effectively on, let's face it, it's a very technical and often contentious topic such as cybersecurity. Mm, that certainly is. So we're going to switch gears just a little bit, and we're going to turn to Justin. Justin, how is the research that your team is conducting helping utility secure power generation? So I've actually been working with EPRI for about 20 years now, if you count contractor time. And I remember the first power plant I ever walked in doing some uh, unrelated uh, research to cybersecurity. But one of the things that, that I've reflected on in this time is that if I were to enter that same power plant, it would be safer, more cost effective, and actually more efficient than it was 20 years ago. All right. And the way that that was done was not through just technology, but it was also by integrating it into the process and the culture. So one of the key things that we're doing is focusing on the reliability of the plant, on, on the cost effectiveness of the plant, and realizing that this entire fleet is not only going to have to be safer, more reliable, and more efficient, but it's also going to have to be more secure. And so how do you go about doing that? Well, you go about doing that through looking at technologies with eyes wide open to find those that, that could that could meet specific needs. And then also reaching out beyond just the IT people or the controls people. For example, I'll be getting on a flight tonight to go to the work planning users group meeting. And work planners aren't, aren't necessarily, you know, the, the first person you go to to get your computer fixed. Mm -hmm. Okay. <laughs> and uh, I, and we'll, be, we'll actually be going through uh, four or five different um, industrial control system incidents with them and then talking about how does their job affect that? Because we don't have uh, the, the, the same, I, I think, rigor necessarily in a lot of the, in a lot of the regulations and also the, the staffs are much smaller per megawatt uh, on, on non-nuclear generation. So a lot of times it requires us to be strategic and I would even say clever 
Um, one, one key example of some research we're working on right now is we're looking at an interactive smart card technology that could eliminate a lot of the administration that comes with remote access. Now, remote access can be kind of a scary uh, subject. You know, you think about it, you've got these big power plants and used to, uh, you just cut them off like, like it was like a moat. You know, there was, there was no connection. Well, if one of those goes down and you need an expert from, from an OEM or a contractor, uh, you don't necessarily want to have to wait for them to get in a plane or get down there, or even worse, if, if it, this is because of inclement weather and they just can't make it there. So you have to come up with, with, a, with a, an effective way for them to reach across. Now, each utility does this a little bit differently. They, you know, they, they do it in a way to meet regulation, but, but they all do it in, in, a, in a different manner. And usually it's software-based, which that, that in itself is, is, a, is, is a vulnerability. Uh, so taking that out of the equation and actually giving someone a, a smart asset in their hand that can that can actually speak across uh, secure networks is 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 going to be a, a leap for us. And then bringing it beyond just the technology, one of the things we're looking at is the generation cybersecurity framework. So the generation cybersecurity framework has what we call applied and foundational research. Uh, an example of the foundation research would be the stuff that we're doing in the lab with Mike. Mm -hmm. uh, to, um, to utilize this uh, hardware-based remote access technology, but also um, applied technologies, uh, looking at um, what a defense in depth uh, that follows the NIST cybersecurity framework. We kind of condense it a little bit into protect, detect, respond, and recover. So we look at various different topics, like we worked with uh, Galen on patch management uh, recently. Uh, we worked on... Um, on configuration management and cyber hardening with our instrumentation and controls group. So really finding ways to make um, cybersecurity accessible. Someone asked me, you know, what is it you do when you wake up? And I say, I reduce what's known as FUD, fear, mm -hmm. uncertainty, and doubt. So a lot of times if you're dealing yeah. with a cybersecurity uh, vendor, they're going to make you afraid sometimes and they'll <laughs> and and they'll and they'll and they'll get you they'll get you interested in in their product because they they want they want to deal in that area of uncertainty mm -hmm. and personally i believe that um that we can not only apply this technology not only understand the adversaries that that are wanting to to harm our our, our system for various different ways but we can do it in a way that is that is accessible and and is also cost effective Okay. And you, um, for our listeners, there's an article that's available if they want to go and read a little bit more about this, right? Right. Absolutely. Uh, it was the March-April 2017 uh, uh, EPRI Journal. So that was, uh, okay. that was last year's EPRI Journal, and it was uh, Protect, Detect, Respond, and Recover. That was the name of it. And I think one of the key takeaways, and this is the, this is the last bullet on the last slide that I'm giving, mm -hmm. is for anyone who's working in this area is to do common things uncommonly well. There's a lot of areas that maybe have gotten left to the wayside, for instance, like configuration management, uh, that almost seem like eating your vegetables. Now, uh, that is, is going to become a key point in, uh, in securing power generation. So everyone has a role in here. It's, it works a lot like safety. Mm -hmm. uh, but, I, but personally, I'm, I'm optimistic that, uh, that we can meet this challenge. Okay. Well, how is it that you get everyone involved? Well, that's that's a good question. So there's a concept known as ITOT integration. Okay, so IT is information technology. 
the uh, data that moves in and out of your computer. OT is operational technology. That's when there's actually something physical going on. Uh, for instance, when, uh, when you turn the key to start your car, that is operational technology. Something is operating. But there's IT involved in there, too, because there's data moving throughout software. Sometimes it's, sometimes it's even getting transmitted when you want it to. So the, the IT portion of this, the security, cybersecurity on the IT side has been very well established and there's, and there's, uh, there's a lot of uh, advanced methodologies. We, you know, we don't need to get into them here, but um, being able to apply them to the operational technology side while still keeping those systems reliable is quite a challenge. So it involves a lot of different stakeholders. So one of the things we're working on is what we call the uh, generation reference architectures. So we're working with uh, some of our colleagues on the power delivery side who've been working on um, on developing architecture methodologies for smart grid. We're taking a lot of their lessons learned and being able to reapply it uh, on the generation side to um, provide a template uh, for, for people who are doing, uh, say, a securities upgrade, I'm sorry, a controls upgrade, or they're applying a, a new security methodology, or they're upgrading their plant uh, in general, just adding, uh, adding on a new component. What we're being able to do is not just make this a project that's owned by one stakeholder, but being able to simultaneously bring everyone on board and, and understand everyone's requirements. That's where architecture comes in. Just like when you're building a house, you know, if you watch yeah. those those sh those shows and they go through the list of everyone's needs, and then there's this there's this poor real estate agent that's got to run around and and uh, I love and that show by the way. Yes, I know. <laughs> I, I, well, it's always on at my house. I don't know if I love it, but it's always on. So a lot of times reference architectures do that, but they do it in a, in a very methodical way. So we're we're taking a lot of that research and being able to to move that in there. Okay. Well, very important research, very timely, especially in the times that we're living when we talk about, you know, cyber threats and cyber attacks. We're going to turn to Galen. And again, Galen is on the phone. He is joining us from Palo Alto. Galen, um, you're involved in work that focuses on cybersecurity metrics. How can the electric power industry measure cybersecurity risk and the effectiveness of cybersecurity controls? Right. Well, uh, quantifying cybersecurity risk and the effectiveness of cybersecurity controls has been a long-standing challenge for the industry. So while all organizations collect security metrics, they're often not really actionable or they don't support key business decisions. So, for example, when a company implements a new, uh, a new security solution, how can the value of the investment really be quantified? So I, and I think this challenge comes from the fact that there's not a comprehensive set of security metrics that's widely adopted by the industry. I think if we had these metrics, the utility could easily calculate and understand the value of security investments in uh, much more concrete terms. So to help um, address this challenge, our cybersecurity metrics project has been developing a set of metrics that provide quantifiable information about cybersecurity to support risk management decisions. So they focus on measurable security processes and characteristics, which provide a repeatable method for uh, both articulating and tracking progress towards uh, cybersecurity goals. So these metrics also increase the overall accountability for cybersecurity by identifying gaps um, or ineffective security practices that need to be addressed. So utilities can then use the results of their metrics calculations to continually improve their cybersecurity processes. Okay. Now, I don't know if you've answered this or not. You may have. But if not, what metrics should be calculated and what data is required to calculate the metrics? Well, we've broken our 
security metrics out into uh, three levels, operational, tactical, and strategic, where metrics from the lower level, such as operational, roll up to higher level tactical metrics through a metric hierarchy. This can be thought of as a pyramid structure. So at the top of the pyramid are the uh, three strategic metrics, uh, which in our system are uh, protection, detection, and response scores, which are supported by 11 tactical metrics, such as threat awareness scores, which are then supported by 45 operational metrics, such as the mean time to discover uh, for an incident, for example. So there are also approximately, uh, I believe, 120 data points that provide the quantitative foundation for the metrics. And these tiers of data and scores, I think, can help a broad range of utility stakeholders gain improved knowledge about their cybersecurity posture, and also make informed decisions about investments and action plans. So we began piloting our metrics uh, in 2017 with eight utilities of varying size and structure. And during the pilot, uh, we had subject matter experts from the utilities sample a portion of their systems, collect data from the sample systems uh, over a fixed period of time, and then load that data into our cybersecurity metrics calculator that we developed for the project. We use that to calculate their overall metrics and scores. We also by measuring the effectiveness of the cybersecurity controls in a consistent and objective way, the security metrics provided a very powerful tool to evaluate their existing solutions and processes and help them identify what works and what does not. So we're hoping that as the adoption of security metrics increases, you know, that we can also take advantage of another another very valuable characteristic from that. And that's going to be the accumul accumulation of security knowledge over time. So the data metrics accumulated over time will enable uh, more statistical analysis and trending for utilities. I think guided by this knowledge, utilities will be able to establish realistic long-term strategies to improve their overall uh, security posture. Okay. Any way to standardize these metrics? <laughs> well, we're hoping to standardize them through the you know, overall ad adoption of the set of metrics that we proposed. And we're also looking at how we can do more industry-level data aggregation. So despite the potential utility of benchmarking these types of metrics, industry-scale security data aggregation has not really been adopted due to the high-level sensitivity you know, that's related to security data. Uh, recently, however, I think there have been many advancements in the area of data science, large-scale data collection and processing. So we're researching these recent innovations and looking at how we can apply them to this problem. And as part of that, we're developing a framework for large-scale security data aggregation and data-driven security for electric power utilities. So, Galen, if you had to summarize this in a sentence or two, um, your research is, is bringing what to the industry? For electric utilities to quantify their security posture and make better informed decisions on their cybersecurity investments. Okay. Well, thank you for that. I mean, EPRI is doing some very important work, um, very uh, necessary work. Michael, I want to go back to you. And, you know, U.S. nuclear power plant licensees are um, currently identify their critical digital assets and apply the cybersecurity controls. They use a variety of regulatory commitments and expert opinions, but these don't always align with the real cyber risk. But the research you're conducting shows this can open them up for risk. So how are you helping them mitigate that risk? Well, the EPRI technical assessment methodology, you know, that we've just discussed, you know, we, we take that and we've been doing a lot of research for about three years now. And, and it kind of culminating into a revision of the overall technical assessment methodology. 
And one of the elements that in particular that we're adding to that is an exploit difficulty measurement. And that essentially allows the assessment to be combined with a separate hazards and consequence analysis to really arrive at a meaningful cyber risk value. You know, this value can then be used to adjust the allocation of resources, you know, to, ad uh, to address the exploits that would really have the most consequences to the site. Uh, this process really links the exploits, it firmly links them to the consequences, and it really allows your decision makers to have a really clear view of the risk and the benefit trade-offs. Okay. Well, as we um, wrap up, I, I, I want to just say this has been valuable information. Um, again, EPRI's research is really going to, um, I think for the short term and long term, provide some valuable insight into cybersecurity. I want to talk a little bit about the research um, that we're doing and how we will continue to support our stakeholders. So, Galen, I want to go back to you real quickly, if you want to close us out a little bit and just kind of wrap up this research and how, how it's going to support our members. Sure. So every surgery research focuses on addressing emerging threats to the electric sector through collaborative research on cybersecurity technology standards and business processes. So for the power delivery sector, uh, we plan to continue focusing on three general research themes. ITOT security convergence, such as in areas of incident management and threat management. Business process challenges for security operations, which includes our security metrics work and securing emerging grid technologies such as distributed energy resources. I think these projects will help utilities develop an understanding of the impacts of security technologies, uh, as well as be able to better assess and monitor cybersecurity risks. Okay, thank you. And Justin, um, final words on how we continue to support our, our stakeholders in the utility industry? Well, we actually gave a, a, a real comprehensive view in two pages, uh, and, and it's on the EPRI website, if you're publicly, uh, the publicly facing EPRI website. Uh, if you just type in uh, generation cybersecurity into the search uh, bar there, you will, you will come up with what we call a supplemental project notice. And uh, that actually is, is an evolution of, of the work we've been doing over the past decade. Uh, that that, in, that describes the, the framework that I mentioned before with both applied and foundational research. And this was actually born from uh, research that we did directly with um, instrumentation and controls. Uh, and that, and that, uh, that project uh, had about, I think, about 20 different utilities in it. So between the two of those, we have more than two dozen utilities who've, who've, who've been engaged with us uh, in this work. And we're progressively expanding the people that we're engaging with in the utility organizations. One of the key challenges um, with this area, as opposed to other areas I've worked with, is it's a lot of times it, it's hard to find the, the one person to talk to. Uh, right. when, I, when I worked in uh, I worked in plant maintenance, you'd go to the maintenance manager, you go to the plant manager. But a lot of times with the cybersecurity person, uh, they've been either locked out of the plant or they're or they're they're in the INC department or they're somewhere in IT. So um, it's it, it's going to be our challenge not just to do the research, but also to get it to the appropriate stakeholders. So I think that's where that, mm -hmm. that framework is going to come in. And like I said, people can find out more about it by just searching on Generation Cybersecurity at theepri.com. So. Okay, that's great. Great information. And Michael, finally, um, we know the risk is real. The threat is real. How will our research continue to support the utility? Well, I mean, the research I've been focused on really is, like I mentioned earlier, it's, a, it's a really about creating a process 
that can provide a sustainable cybersecurity posture at reasonable cost. And, you know, and we always look forward to getting feedback, you know, through either our formal user groups or our advisory committees. And so uh, we look forward to continuing to do that. Okay. Well, thank you all. Thank you, Michael, Justin, and Galen. Thanks for your time. And and if you'd like to learn more about EPRI's research in cybersecurity, go to EPRI.com and search cybersecurity. Until next time, we're shaping the future of electricity. <laughs>